You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. Oh, so you haven't been at school? So, no, I no, I took off the whole year. I oh, took a leave of absence. Okay. Because I have enough sick days. Oh, my I word. I have like 200 and something sick days. So I took the whole year off. I don't know. That's Oh, so that's why you love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't even have to think about it. So it's that's been a great relief not having to mm-hmm. think about school because I... I mean, I still get all the texts from all the meetings and all the things that are Do going you? on. And I mean, Is it I, chaos? I'm still on the email. Yeah, and that's what my girlfriend said. It's crazy with the kids being out and having to quarantine. Then you have to, she said, I have my plans done like three weeks ahead so that if something happens, I'm, I'm good. And oh, my word. Yeah. So I know. I just hate the thought of it. So you're practicing retirement I right am. now. How's it? It's good. <laughs> and Mark kept saying, you're ruining my, my retirement. He didn't really retire. I mean, he's collecting Social Security now, but he's he decided he was going to keep working, you know, and then he couldn't. But now his boss told him, you just come whenever you want to come. If you feel like coming, come. And so they've been wonderful. Has so. he been able to? Yeah, he went Tuesday through Friday last week, full days. He can run him like a street machine that cleans the docks. And if they have a barge download, which they haven't since he's been off. Because he's anxious. They bought a new machine, and he's really excited to run that, <laughs> that machine. He's like a kid with the sandbox. He works on a dock? He Explain. works down in East Liverpool, right off of Rattle Devon, the river. Yeah. He unloads barges. He runs crane. Oh, and they this bought is... this. This new machine is more like an excavator. It has a bucket that swings out and this great big cab that pushes clear out <gasps> over into the barge. And he's really excited. But they called him to go look at it with them. Oh, my gosh. Kept him involved in all that. So he's just awesome. He's That's so positive amazing. from day one. He's just, hmm. you know, I mean, he's like an inspiration to me. Because I'm like, oh, what if this? What if this? Are we going to be able to do this? Or, you know, you know, you think, how much time do you have left? And he has not almost felt like he was like in denial sometimes. <laughs> but, but I thought that was a good thing because he's... Your model patient, I can tell you that. That's amazing. And he's feeling everyone's prayers. Yes, that's what he said. And we've been praying every night, and we didn't pray before, you know. So that's been awesome, too. I want to do like a take-your-kid-to-work day with him. You want to be, but his I'm kid? not his kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just he, want to go. Oh, watch. He would take you. He would take you in a minute. Oh my god! Sit in the machine. Oh, that's <laughs> a fascinating job. Yeah, he Chris can't wait like... to get my uh, grandson down there and sit in it. One day, he'll just wash the dock. He'll take big buckets of water and throw on the dock and clean because they unload powdery stuffs. You know, like, like um, materials that are used to make glass. Or one time, he was unloading brown sugar. It was brown sugar. I said, I want to be there. I want to make snow angels and oh brown my sugar. Word. Just loose brown sugar that they use for feed, like for animal feed. But it was pretty cool. He's had esophagus? Esophageal cancer. Yep. Esophageal. What's it's a word I can't the, say? It's at the base of his esophagus into his stomach. And then he has a tumor on his back, too, and um, several other lymph nodes. So they staged it at a stage four. But he's remarkably 
doing well. So he's responding. He's on a immune therapy, and it targets the cancer more than some other chemo mm. you know, does. But How long has he known about this? It was August. He had a scope just a, last year. Yeah, he was having an indigestion, had a scope, and they found the tumor. And his surgeon said that he was pretty sure it was cancer right then. Mm. So, and Mark's like, Am I going to lose my hair? I worked a long time <laughs> at, <laughs> to get this, you know. And he has beautiful, silvery gray hair, real full. And but, he didn't lose it. No, he oh, didn't. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. my. He, did, he said, No, you won't, you know, and he didn't, which he said, I don't really care if I do, but. <laughs> He'll get it cut real short in the summertime anyway. He had to give up drinking and smoking, which he quit the day he came home because they told him that, you know, this is the type that's caused by drinking and smoking. And he came home and the kids all came over and he lit a cigarette up and he put it right back out and said, I'm done. Wow. And he hasn't had a drink or smoked since. Not that he doesn't think about it, I'm sure, once in a while, but he's been great. That's amazing. It's hard to do. Yeah. All right. Where you got to go afterwards? You going shopping? Oh, I got to go pick up something at Rite Aid. The line was oh so long, super long. They're Nobody's working. Nobody wants to work, and so the people that are at work are. Oh my gosh! I drove through Duncan today, getting all the brunt of people's crabbiness. Girl gave me a sticker. We're hiring. Please, she said. Anyone you know, give them the sticker. Anybody. Well, they said, show us your what you make, and we'll beat it. Oh my wow. word! Part of me's like, maybe I should get another job. <laughs> Name your price. <laughs> can you give me a raise for a day so I can take my pay stub? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Woohoo! Woohoo! Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. Hello. It's B. Or is this is this it? I used to get called B by my friends in high school. Just initials from now on, though? Today. All right. It's K. And we are here. Oh, with another J. With another J. Jean Maxwell is our featured guest today. It's so great to have you here, Jean. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Jean says we crack her up on this podcast. So what specifically? It's, it's the beginning stuff <laughs> when before you start with the official recording. I was say, do you have something to say about our all sleep the jabbering? No, I like it. What? Nothing. I w- no. That's all. Okay. Waiting for someone else to tell me to go to bed. I thought maybe. <laughs> Are you yawning? I thought, no. <laughs> I was going to make coffee, but I feel great. You look pretty perky. Wide awake. Yeah. Jean was born and raised in East Palestine, Ohio. She attended Our Lady of Lords Catholic Church in East Palestine until she was in seventh grade. Oh. When it closed, she went to East Palestine Middle School and then went on to East Palestine High School. After high school, she went to cosmetology school in East Liverpool. She worked for George's Hairstyling Salon, where her boss and her husband's aunt fixed them up. Was that a blind date, the first date? Um, No, but she worked for his aunt, got her hair done at George's. They kind of pushed him to call me and ask me out. Oh, so what is, kind of was a blind date. Yeah. And I really didn't know him because his senior year, he didn't go to East Palestine. He went to the OWE or the work program. The Trade Center. Yeah, at Columbia. And he worked in his aunt's pottery and went to school part-time, so... What'd you, you said, do on I, your first day? I'd see date? you at the ball games, and I can't even remember what we did on the first day. <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> but we got married real quick. Married at 19. Oh. 
Her and her husband, Mark, have been married for 44 years on mm. July 4th. Oh, they have they celebrate with bangs and fireworks nope. every year. He's for always your sleeping by the time the fireworks come on. <laughs> you got married on the 4th of, 4th of July? July. We, what caused well, you to... We, we started dating and must have been October because I invited him over for Thanksgiving, I know. We got engaged in January, the end of January. And then my boss, George's hairstyling, he always took a week off over the 4th of July. We were shopping. Mark got an apartment. We went shopping for furniture for his apartment. We were having lunch on the way home. He said, let's get married next week while we were off. 19 years old. Okay. You know, I didn't think about what it would take to have a wedding. You know, And my sister, she got married uh, high school and just had a small wedding in the backyard so that's what we did on my mom's property at the time my mom and dad were divorced so it was kind of weird because he was out moseying around he lived in a trailer in the back part of the property with his new wife and he walked up and helped kind of make sure everything was on ice in there but we just put it together everybody made food and decorate my george and his wife were real crafty they decorated and we got our marriage license and we're supposed to get married in the chapel, and then his all his cousins showed up, and so we had to move it into the big part of the church. No no music, you know, or anything. It was quiet. <laughs> made our dresses. I found a dress that was left over from prom, this white dress that had a big, long dress, fluffy dress, and we have one wedding picture. Oh, my <laughs> so gosh. It was, it was cool. That's awesome. Gina and Mark have three adult kids and eight grandkids. When Jean sent her youngest child to school... You must have been bored because you decided you were going to go back to YSU and get your teaching degree. Yeah. I'd go while he was off at school, you know, when they were all in school for a few hours. How many years did it take you? Five. It took me five because I took amazing. like 12 hours, you know, just the what I had to. She later went back to school and got her master's degree in counseling and classroom guidance. She was hired at East Palestine in 1994. She started in eighth grade, then moved to fifth grade, and then fourth grade, and then first grade. She's been teaching at East Palestine for 27 years. And this year, she has taken some personal time off to spend with her husband, who has been battling esophageal cancer for the last year. Mm -hmm. She says she has no hobbies, but she likes to read. She loves teaching and her family has kept her very busy. She began attending the Upper Room Fellowship in February of 2016. How did you get here? Well, actually, my daughter was looking for a church. She was married to Robin Jacobs' son. She said, let's go. And Robin and I went and Robin's daughter, we all came and Rob and I were hooked the first time we came. So so we've been coming since and and then Jess ended up getting a nursing job that was didn't go with her schedule. She worked a lot of Sundays. So we just come by herself. Her and Robin have been a great addition to our church. They serve in many ways. They're greeters. They work at the Welcome Center. Jean's on the prayer team. She's been fun to have in Sunday school class. So Mm -hmm. And I've enjoyed all your classes. It's a good way to get to know everybody. And yeah. I missed everyone during COVID. Very isolating yeah. time. So we're glad to be back and to have Jean back and have yeah. you here with us today. So thanks for coming. Thanks. Yeah. So tell us, Jean, who or what turned your light on? What turned my light on? I feel like God's been chasing after me all my life because I I was raised in a Catholic church. And then I remember going to an altar call with a little girl. I must have been 10, 12, 
at a Methodist church, and that wasn't the church that I went to, but her dad was a pastor there at the time. And, and I remember going to, they had like a some kind of goings on there, and they had an older call. And I really, I don't think I really knew what it was about. And I went up and prayed, and I never told my parents or never told anybody else that I went. <laughs> and then you know, when Mark and I were married, I'm just flipping one day and started watching. It's kind of like Hour Power. Yeah, like... 700 Club, that's what it was. And I w- started watching that all the time and all the testimonies and gave my life to Jesus, you know, in one of their prayers. And, and then when Mark and I got married, we started going. We went to the Lutheran church because a neighbor invited us. We went to the Methodist church in East Palestine and went to some Bible studies together, took the kids to church there, and then we moved to Columbiana and got invited to go to. So we've been all over the um, Lutheran church, went there. I was on the preschool board there and greeters, and he played the organ. They had a they had a MIDI player where you put, I think, tapes in on it. Mm-hmm. But he loved that. It had a, the big pipe organ, yeah. and it played through that, and he, he loved it. And then I kind of took a break. I just felt like I was in a stalemate or something. I don't know. And our pastor there said, you go through those dry periods. And, mm-hmm. I, and I do th- been like that. I'll go through a dry period, and then I'm all, you know, gung-ho and, <laughs> you know, yes, excited and want to know more and so that turned my light on I guess just and just different people I remember going to a a Bible study at the Methodist church and the pastor's wife we had a group of women that met I remember her just saying how much she loved Jesus she she said I love I just love him like more than anything and I and I left there that night and thought I want to love him like that you know Mm -hmm. and I really feel like I do now you know it took a long time to just I mean, I talk to him all the time. And Was there but, something that switched for you? Was it her testimony about seeing him in a different light? Yeah, maybe. And there was another, an older lady. She was a teacher in East Palestine for years when we took a disciple class together. And I remember her saying, it's just all these little testimonies of people that you think you don't make a difference in people's lives. But these women all did. There was an older woman and she asked, she's told us that she talks to Jesus all day. She said, I just talk to him all day. She said, if I'm thinking about buying curtains, I'll say, what do you think about this, Jesus? Should I get this or that? And, and I thought, wow, that's so, I never thought about that. But, you know, and Mark, he had an aunt that she just was, she didn't go to church, but she just did so much for people and put other people before herself all the time. And, and you know, she was kind of a role model. And she was always wealthy and had everything. But I remember when she broke a hip and then she got, sick and I remember her laying in a nursing home and she just didn't want anything nothing no you know material things mattered to her anymore and there was a, another little woman that shared a room with her and she had her chair from home and her quilt on her bed and I, I asked Kazan do you want me to bring up your quilt for your bed or anything she said no honey I don't need a single thing I just don't need anything and she was just content with her life I know she prayed because we talked, you know, we used to sit after church. I'd go visit her when Mark was out of town and would sit for hours. And she was just awesome. There's something about those people. And we've had a couple of weeks of that, you know, Jess talking about her mom and feeling like Jesus was so real. And even Greg was just talking about that last week, you know, having someone in in his life who it felt like they were just talking to Jesus and it was a little off-putting. But I feel like those people who make Jesus real, 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 really, they just make people look at faith in Jesus and life differently. 
It's not this pie in the sky kind of like hovering. Yeah, that he's real. He's here. He's around all the time. You know, yeah. it just makes sense. For weeks, people just keep saying, that was so marking to me. I think sometimes too, when we hear about people's testimonies, you know, we can think, oh, they have that. That's great for them. But I really think when we hear testimonies, it's an invitation for us to step into the same thing or something similar. Like you have a relationship with Jesus and he's like your best friend and you're so close. And and when you hear that and that's foreign to you, it's not like, oh, that's just for them. But it's like, huh, maybe I can have that too with Jesus. And so mm-hmm. it, I think it causes us to dig a little bit deeper or to change the way maybe we viewed him instead of it being the sovereign holy God who's up in heaven or you know, viewing him as this is my best friend and he wants to walk with me and counsel me and help me in all situations. It brings it down to earth and makes it more real than thinking like it's just something that you can't touch and you can't be intimate with. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Jean, what lights you up? Worship. I love to listen to worship music and I love to see the kids in here worship their hands are raised. I just love it. It just lights me up when I see a, even, you know, a little three-year-old or four-year-old putting their hand up in the air. And it's so awesome to watch that or kids dancing and, you know, my family and lights me up, you know, learning about Jesus and just listening to people's testimonies and just seeing him and seeing him at work. Do you feel that way about your first graders? Yes. Do you? Yes. Still? Okay. There are, I mean, 27 years into yeah, teaching yeah. later, you still feel... I love the kids, you know. And, and of course, you have situations where you want to pull your hair out sometime, but they're just so innocent, and, you know, and they, they're so cute and say the, the neatest things. And just watching the relationship with each other. But yeah, they're fun. I just feel like after 27 years, either you still love it or you're at the point where you're like, ah, get me out of here. Well, I think it's more the all the changes as far as administrative changes and sure you have to document every little thing that you do and that gets in I, I think if I could just go and teach I would love it mm-hmm. and I can't say that there's ever a day that I hated getting up and going to to work I loved it you know of course when you're off for two weeks you think oh this is pretty nice I don't know if I want to go back and, <laughs> you know, but I was always ready to go back after summer vacation and were you um not <laughs> I was sad until the first week was over, and then it felt great, and I was ready to be back in it. And I think it's just the craziness of the schedule, especially when with you when you have kids and coming home, cooking dinner, and you always have work to do at home. But I never minded sitting. I could watch TV and grade papers or, you know, do plans. and Yeah. And I miss, you know, the camaraderie with other teachers, you know, that... And I think it was probably easier not to go back this year because last year with COVID, everybody's schedule was changed. We didn't have lunch together. We didn't have planning together. So we were so isolated. And I felt like we were really isolated last year. And I think that's changed this year that all the first grade teachers eat together again. But that was odd. You know, it was, I just stay in my room because it's like, I'm not going to go over in the lunchroom by myself and mm-hmm. sit. And It's it hard just, to not have community. Yeah. You miss the camaraderie. So, but yeah. I had, you know, we'd still text back and forth in the evenings and after school, before school, see each other. But you always had a million things to do. So didn't have time to sit around and drink coffee. <laughs> when you were sending your youngest son to school, had you been doing cosmetology? 
No, I, I so only you did, stayed uh, yes. at home with the kids. Yeah, and... I was home for yeah. I only did um, cosmetology for a couple of years, and I actually it was like I just shampooed for George, you know, because he had his clientele <laughs> already. You know, he'd been a hairdresser for years. I don't even know how I got that job with him because I didn't I didn't really know him before. So we shouldn't be asking you to trim our bangs or <laughs> no, no, because I cut I cut Mark's hair. Now he'll get. A, great clips just to get out of the house but yeah I always cut my kids hair and my daughter's hair when she was growing up and so I just got to stay home with I feel very fortunate that mm. I got to stay home with my kids while they were little did you love that too I did I'm a homebody I could be home I'm so boring I could be home all the time and I drive Mark crazy because he you know you never want to do anything and <laughs> let's because he'll just on the fly let's go do this let's go do that but I'm pretty content to be at home what are you reading right now? Or um, what do you like in general to read? Oh, a little bit of everything. I read a lot of spiritual stuff. I read a book about the Holy Spirit not too long ago. And then I'm reading a book now about, it's fiction, about three women in the Bible. Peggy gave it to Robin for, for Secret Sisters, and she said, you got you want to read this? And so I took it with me yesterday. I took a friend to get a colonoscopy, and I started reading. It was like I couldn't put it down. I love it. You know, it was really wow. good. Yep. You know, they talk about 14-year-olds getting married, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. Oh, from like Chris's yeah. sermon on Sunday? Yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, my granddaughter's 13. I can't even imagine. Then when I think I got married when I was 19, that's only how many years it's older than a mom now. That is crazy. <laughs> my, my, my mom and dad were divorced. I was probably ready to get out of the house, too. So there wasn't any rebellion in you? You were just... Oh, no, there was a little bit, probably. You have a twin sister, right? I have right? a twin sister. And my dad was very strict growing up. Like, he knew where you were all the time. And, you know, we were in high school and starting to date. And he had to pick us up for cheerleading practice if we weren't right where we were supposed to be. Where were you? You know, he was pretty strict because he was wild when he was <laughs> younger. So okay. I'm sure he kept the thumb on us. And I dated the same kid all the way through high school, and then we split up. I met Mark, and that was it. And we've had our times where <laughs> I thought, oh, my gosh, but it's pretty easy to live with. You know, he's probably polar opposite of me. But more, it's worked More out. adventurous. Yeah, he's more adventurous. and You're the steady one. Yeah. Jean, in this season of your life, and that this has been an odd season for you because you found out bad news about Mark last mm -hmm. summer, and you know, and then you taught Whoa. taught a year of COVID, and now you're taking a year off. But tell us how you're letting your light shine in this season. Well, I get, I get the opportunity to spend. I have a neighbor that's diagnosed with cancer, and she told me shortly after Mark found out, and she hadn't told anybody, and and so I felt honored that she could talk to me about it and she I mean she's 92 years old and I said you, you have to tell your family you just have to and she had known for two years and, and didn't tell anybody so I, I feel like just getting to having the opportunity to be able to be out while I walk my dog and running into people and getting to talk to them there's another neighbor that w wasn't good health and Unfortunately, he passed away like the last month. But just getting to talk to people when I get out and walk, and I'm on a prayer chain here, and I still belong to the prayer chain at the Lutheran Church, 
I have, I've stayed on that since we left. So I feel like that's my ministry right now is, is praying and prayer. And I'll wake up in the middle of the night and someone's on my heart and I pray. And, and I've, you know, prayed for people at school. You know, we had a lady that's husband went through cancer. And I just feel like God tells me sometimes just pray and it's hard to ask people to pray with them, you know. You don't know how they'll take it. You know, like Mark's sister had cancer last summer, and I told him, I want to pray. I think I should pray with her. I want to pray with her. And he said, I don't know. I just think that might be awkward. I don't know what she'll say, you know. And and I did, and it w- went well, and you know, and she thanked me. And I, I think just we have to be obedient when God puts it on our heart. To, mm-hmm. Even if it, we feel like we're stumbling and you know not saying the right words, I don't think it matters what you know what we say. Just that presence. When in your journey did you feel like God was touching your heart to pray for people? It. I don't know exactly any certain moment, but I've been driving down the road and see somebody riding a bike, and I'll just. I have to start praying for them that God protects them. And I remember seeing someone riding his bike with his lunchbox, and I just didn't know the situation, or but I just feel like I'd have to pray for somebody. And I had a student once that had, I think he was he had a lymph node that was enlarged or something, and I laid my hands on his head and just not out loud, but prayed for him. And I just felt like I had to, just situations like that. I don't know when it, at certain time. But I always journaled, you know, so I guess it's been a long time because I have journals from when we were married early, and I have people that I prayed for and pray, I prayed and prayed for our family. I was a figly, and they're drinkers. They've always been. My uncle had a bar in East Palestine, and but I have journals where I ask for God to deliver our family from alcoholism, and and I have a cousin now that's real religious. He prays all the time. You know, every time I talk to him, I'm praying. I talk to him, come up and scrub the carpet at the clubhouse, and he's asked me how Mark's doing. He said, "I pray all day. I prayed all day. I pray all day, Jeannie. I I just pray all day." And he does. And he quit drinking. He had some health problems, and he quit drinking. And he it's just awesome to see the. God moving. And the first time we came to church, or shortly after that, they had a base up front. Mm-hmm. You know, Ron, Ron Myers. To, yeah, to put in a prayer request. And guess what I put in there? My family would be delivered from alcoholism, you know. And it's just amazing to see how God works. I love and, that God wakes you up and puts people on your heart to pray because don't we all want that? People praying for us mm. and putting us on their hearts. Prayer is powerful. And we've heard testimonies here of people praying here and things happening when people are on mission trips, and it's just awesome. I feel like how do you let your light shine? Oftentimes, I don't think I pray for people is the answer that we are expecting or we are looking for, but how huge and impactful that is. And it's it's really effective. And Chris was even talking about that in his podcast. In the world that we live in today, where does prayer fall on the list? Usually it's when we're desperate or it's the second or third or fourth or fifth thing on the list after we've done all of these things. But, you know, all of our answers should be, you know, what are we doing to let our light shine? All of our answers should be, I pray. And especially today's world, huh? We could all use prayer. And I can't tell you the number of people who've I've got a message online or talked to people. I'm praying for Mark or we're praying for it. Just in our little neighborhood, every time I see somebody, we're praying for Mark. How's Mark doing? Well, we're praying for you. And it's just awesome. that I think the Holy Spirit's moving in that neighborhood. Everybody's, that's the first thing they say, we're praying for you. And it's an awesome group of people. 
I can't remember his name right now, but there was an evangelist slash revivalist in America. But before he would go into a city, he had a guy that would come with him and pray. So he would send him out to the city that he was about to evangelize or have revival meetings. He would send him out first. The guy would come in and pray for days before they brought this guy come in to speak. At the end of his life, the evangelist revivalist, darn it, I can't remember his name, but he was saying the revival that came, the healings and the miracles that we saw, they weren't me. They were from the guy who was praying. Like I came in and spoke to you because that was a gift that God's given me. Like I could express what God was doing or the heart of God there, but it was the guy that no one saw and no one knew that's why any of this happened. Really I think that's why it's important for us to support our missionaries and, you know, like Beth and Rich going out to start right now before they even go to prepare hearts and to receive yeah. the word, you know. My turn. Would you be willing to share something supernatural that has happened to you or you've experienced? I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, spoken yes. tongues. I've been to Sunday school classes and heard people talking about speaking in tongues and I, I just didn't understand. I just couldn't wrap my head around. I, I mean, even though I write about it in the Bible, I, and you hear that they spoke in other languages so everybody could interpret and understand what was being said. But then I thought, you know, I've heard people here mention it, and I, and I thought, well, what language is it or what, what's it like? And then we had a class here, and one night there were yeah. about 14 of us, I think, maybe, or at least that many. We came one night after this class, had, this was our culminating activity. We all met and there were chairs all straightened out and Ron talked to us first. And I can't remember everything about that night, but I know, but one by one, we went up and you know he kind of laid hands on us and asked us to get into that. Just, uh, I don't know. I just know for me, he kind of, kind of encouraged me or prodded me to try. I just remember my tongue just feeling real thick and just like it wasn't going. And he said, go on, go on. And I just, I just kept saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then it just turned into tongues, you know, and for me now, if I'm trying to pray and I can't think of what I want to say or what, what to pray for, I'll just start speaking in tongues and then tears come and I just, I know that I'm in his presence. You know, I just, that for me, that's when I just really feel that I'm in God's presence. And praying in the spirit builds an edifice to house a revelation in you. Paul talks about praying in the spirit and he says, you shouldn't do it at church if there's no interpreters because it doesn't benefit anybody. But Mm -hmm. it benefits us and our spirit when we do it in our private prayer time. I feel like too, you know, I surrender to him that whatever it is you want to do in me, do it. Because I don't know, I feel like I'm in a, a waiting period now. I, I really think I'm moving out of my career as a teacher and now what, you know? And and I know when I went from, you know, decide to go to school was, I got to do something. You know, I have three kids here. I can tell you what it was that made me go to school is I had a girlfriend and her husband left her and she had two kids. And I'm thinking, I have three kids. What am I going to do if something would happen to Mark? How would I raise these kids? You know, I have no education. And uh, my girlfriend went to YSU to be a respiratory therapist. And I thought, well, I'm going to go to school. 
And I told Mark about it, and I think he was kind of threatened. Well, why do you want to go to school? Why, what, what's the matter? Why do you want to go to school? And, and I was petrified because I hadn't been anywhere by myself. I got married young. I had never driven over to Youngstown to a campus. And I, I remember so many times I was afraid. And that's a whole other story. I think, you know, God just pushed me through, you know. You know, there was times I thought, I can't do this. I, I'd come home every time we got a syllabus and be crying. And Mark says, you do this every quarter. You can do it. He's my champion. You know, you can do it. And he'd take the kids and I'd be up locked in the bedroom working on a paper or studying and for hours. And when he started cooking, he started cooking and he, he was awesome. How did that change your prayer life when you started praying? I'd pray spirit? about everything. When, when I was praying in the spirit, just I guess turn it over my will to him. It's not what I want, it's what you want. I think that's it's more of that than anything. I mean, I did tell Mark that night we came home, you know, because Rob and I were with, was with me and Ray was home with Mark, and, you know, had a few <laughs> beers. How would your meeting go? We said, great. And Robin said, I don't know if it was Robin. I said, your wife spoke in tongues tonight. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I don't know that he really said any more about it or understood it, but. And I have a twin sister, and I've never told her. And I think maybe she could interpret. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should say something. It's just awesome. Mm -hmm. And I I ran into somebody from our church um, that was at that meeting. This is so weird. We were Southwoods with my girlfriend, and I was reading that book, so I didn't have my nose out of that book the the whole time. And I was coming back from the restroom, and somebody said, Jean, and it was um, someone that was at that meeting with us, too. We were talking. She was there with a friend that she had brought. And so we we were sitting there for like an hour talking. And I said, I want to ask you something. And I said, do you still speak in tongues? And she said, yeah, all the time. And I said, me too. And I said, we just never talked about it with anybody else. And she said the same thing. And she said she'd asked some, Greg some questions about it. And for me, it's just like another way to get closer or to, to feel his presence you know so and for me i get distracted so easy i can be reading oh, a bible plan or something next thing you know i'm thinking about oh, you got to make cookies tomorrow for <laughs> something and but but if i'm speaking Literally. in tongues it's like everything's gone you know or, i mean everything's shut out and so that good for me too because it keeps me on the right path well Jean, it has been so fun having you here and we appreciate your time and we really appreciate your service to our church and your example of praying for people even if it's not like that they know you're praying for them and or you're laying hands on them that you god wakes you up and puts people on your heart and you are obedient to him Mm -hmm. and praying and we all need people in our lives that are doing that and so you know i would just encourage all of our listeners to make it a point to ask jesus who do you want me to be praying for if we all revved up our prayer life Can you imagine the testimonies? Mm Because I think sometimes we just get docile or complacent and we're not praying for other people. I think that you are a great reminder of how important Mm -hmm. it is that God puts somebody on your mind that you haven't thought about for a really long time. And instead of just saying, oh, I haven't thought about them for a while, like asking, what should I be praying? How should I be praying for that person? That's really good. I just think everyone for their prayers for my husband because he knows it he feels it i feel it 
I mean, I've just had a change of heart struggle with, you know, why am I putting this back down? You know, I give it to God and then I take it back, you know, and, and I've read a lot of things about that, but I, I tell you, it really helps when everybody's praying and you can feel it, you know, so. That's especially yeah. neat that he can feel it. And he said that. He said, I know it. Because I'll say, somebody told me that they're praying for you. He said, I know it. I can feel it. You know, and he even went as far as saying, it's not the treatment. He said, it's all the prayers. That's yeah, awesome. awesome. And God. we will continue to keep praying for Mark and his health and his healing. Thank you. Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye.